Welcome to Sideline Sleuths, a true crime podcast all about the tragic yet fascinating cases no one can seem to get enough of. I'm Megan. And I'm Jasmine. We're so glad you're listening. If you like being an armchair detective, you'll love being a sideline sleuth. Today we're going to talk about a case that happened before I was even born, the murder of Matthew Margolis. On August 31st, 1984, Matthew, a 13-year-old boy, went missing in Greenwich, Connecticut. Matthew was a skilled fisherman and well-known in their tight-knit community. He went missing on a Friday, and several people in town remembered seeing him all afternoon. Around 5 p.m., multiple witnesses confirmed seeing him within a one-block radius of a deli that was a popular hangout spot. At about 5.30, a young woman who lived on a nearby street said that she saw Matthew walking down the road next to the deli. She waved out of her car window, and he waved back. This is the last confirmed sighting of Matthew alive. Eventually that night, word got around town that Matthew was missing. His mom had started calling people because he didn't come home for dinner and she wanted to know if anyone had seen him. When people started asking around, it was determined that he was supposed to meet some other people to go fishing, but never showed. That's when officials started thinking maybe something was really wrong. Nobody thought that Matthew had fallen into the river because everyone knew he was a good swimmer, and his mother, Marianne, insisted that there was no way he had just run off. His grandfather had just passed away a few weeks before from cancer, so people thought maybe he went to the cemetery, but there was no sign of him there either. By noon the next day, everyone had started to believe something sinister had happened to Matthew. Everyone was looking for him, doing whatever they could think of. Search parties of people with dogs, divers in the river, everyone was trying to find him. So his sister, his older sister Stacy, consulted a psychic who had an eerie prediction. On September 3rd, so at this point it has been a few days since Matthew disappeared, the psychic said Matthew's body would be found on a nearby steep hill by an unknown male. So then the search, yeah, right, that's kind of creepy. How long after a a missing person incident would you consult a psychic? I don't know. That's kind of weird, actually. But That was immediate. (laughs) Yeah, I was like three days later, she's like, let's ask a psychic. And Greenwich is like one of the richest cities in America, if not the most affluent city in America. So I don't know. Maybe they were just desperate. Um, the search parties then after the psychic gave her prediction that they all started to think that now they were looking for a body and not a missing boy. So on September 5th, this is two days after the psychic's prediction, Fred Lambert, a volunteer fireman, decided to climb a steep shrub-laden hill in his search for Matthew. There he saw a black and white checkered slip-on sneaker like the one Matthew was reportedly wearing the day he went missing. Minutes later, he led two officers to the site, and the three of them then noticed a swarm of flies and a strong odor of decomposition. There they found Matthew's body hidden beneath leaves, branches, and heavy rocks with only his toes and an ear visible. Oh, the psychic was right. The psychic was right, which is really disturbing. Only two days later. Wow. What talent. Spiritual talent or... She the Matthew. psychic was totally involved. <laughs> yeah. Or Fred Lambert, like the volunteer fireman. I don't know. He's just like, yeah, let me pick that hill. And that's exactly where he's found. 
I would, so they were telling the search parties, like, hey, y'all, climb steep hills. I get or he, Weird. Yeah. The psychic said he's going to be dead on a steep hill, and Fred Lambert was like, bet. <laughs> I like how we always laugh in murders. Okay, so I learned of the Matthew Margolis case when I was reading about another body found in Greenwich recently. 24-year-old Valerie Reyes from New York was murdered, and her body was dumped on the side of the road in a suitcase in Greenwich. Ooh. Yeah, this was like a month ago, maybe. Um, her ex-boyfriend has already been charged in her murder. But aside from Valerie, there's just two murders that really loom over the city. Matthew Margolis and Martha Moxley. Martha's murder is probably why they were like, let's get a psychic and solve this thing ASAP. Because that murder really haunted them. So in 1975, Martha... I think she was 15 at the time, was beaten with a golf club and stabbed through the neck with its broken shaft. And it wasn't until 2002 that there was a conviction in her case. So that's 27 years later? 27 years later. So there are some similarities between Matthew's murder and Martha's murder. Oddly enough, they both have the same double M initials. Okay. Um, they were both young teens at the time of their death. Neither victim was sexually assaulted, but there were some sexualized aspects of their deaths. So Martha was found with her pants and her underwear pulled down, and Matthew was found basically only in his underwear. But there was no sign of sexual assault in either murder. But both of the victims were murdered brutally, and in both cases, they went unsolved for decades. So Matthew's is still unsolved, but Martha's was solved 27 years later. Oh, so geez. the Moxley and Margolis murders differ in one huge way, though. The why. Martha was murdered by another teenager in what seems to have been a fit of jealous rage and anger. Not that those are excuses for murder, but there's at least a motive. Matthew's murder seems to be beyond understanding. When his body was uncovered, he was wearing only his underwear and one sock, he had been stabbed multiple times in the chest and abdomen, and his t-shirt had been knotted around his neck. The killer also shoved dirt and sticks down Matthew's throat and gagged him with the other sock and deeply cut his neck before repeatedly stabbing him in the torso. So when he went to the corner, they took the shirt off and they realized that there was also this deep neck laceration. So the cause of death was said to be stab wounds and traumatic exfiliation. Wow. I can't even say it today, and I know I can't. Thank you. Traumatic. Exp you say it. What is it? It's traumatic. What? Thank you. So I'm here for you. I said it when I practiced this. But I'm I sure you know. can say it. I believe. <laughs> Thank you. So this is the defined as a sudden or severe compression of the chest or upper abdomen that prevents breathing. Matthew's body also had some defensive wounds, indicating that he struggled with his killer. A 10-inch boning knife was found near the body amongst the leaves like a couple days oh, later. Fish. Yeah, they oh. were fishing. But Matthew's fishing rod was not recovered there. So about a month after the murder, an FBI psychological profiler said that he thought the killer was a white male who was familiar with Matthew and with his fishing routine. That makes sense. Yeah, it seems real personal. Yeah. Yeah, like, and just on this random hill by the river. So he called him a classic loser with poor self-image, suggested that maybe he was overweight and had a drinking or drug problem. Even though Matthew was not sexually assaulted, a leading homicide expert hired to work on the investigation said it had all the telltale signs of a typical lust murder. 
So it just did seem really personal, like stabbing someone repeatedly. It's not something you do to like a stranger. Yeah, and then getting stripping them down, like and... slicing their throat, and then hiding it with a t-shirt, gagging yeah. them with stuff, like shoving these foreign objects down this little so you boy's think that's throat. That's what it was. He he stabbed him in the neck and then hit it with the t-shirt. Well, because I was thinking is that. It was hidden. I don't know if that was his intention. Like, they didn't see the neck wound until, until he went to the coroner's office. But I don't know if the T-shirt was meant to hide it or if it was meant to, like, that didn't kill him, so he choked him. Yeah. That's, well, it's Or, like, strangled him. I'm not sure. Well, but we've officially decided it was a man because we keep saying it. Yeah, that's so, a good point. It was obvious to the investigators that the murderer was a local because of his knowledge of the area. So they said that this hill did not have a lot of foot traffic. It was not somewhere people really went. So it was hard to find witnesses to see if they saw anybody in the area because people really didn't go over there. So they think it's a local. In fact, that same day that Matthew's body was found, they already had a suspect in mind. A 16-year-old boy who lived just a few feet from the hill where Matthew's body was discovered. Some have said it was practically in his backyard. So in town, that boy, the 16-year-old, is known to be a bully. In the past, he had harassed Matthew and once pulled a knife on another boy, according to that child's father. Additionally, that same summer that Matthew was killed, so he died in late August, that boy, the 16-year-old, stalked and abducted another 13-year-old boy. He He lured him to a vacant apartment with the promise of a drink on a hot summer day. So then the bully slammed that victim's head into the floor, forced him to lie face down on the ground, straddled him while driving a nail into his back repeatedly. He ordered the victim to remove his pants, but the attack was halted by someone who lived in another apartment returning home. What? That's the same crime. The same summer, right? What so like a creepy just, boy. What a creepy boy. He hosed the victim down to wash blood off of him and then drove him home. But then when he got home, that victim, his name is Jeff Payne. He does interviews about this. Um, I think he has a YouTube channel, too, where he talks specifically about this murder. Um, So that victim, Jeff, told his mother everything, and then she called the police. Wait, 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 wait. So he gets viciously attacked by this weird boy that promises him a beverage. Someone stops at a neighbor coming home, Mm -hmm. you say. And then he stays there while he hoses him down? Yeah, and that guy made him, like... Tell his mom that he got home safely, and the bully waited until he heard him tell his mom that he was home safely before he drove off. And then once he was clear, he was like, I'm actually not safe, mom. This kid attacked me. Well, clearly that's going to happen. This little boy's not very smart, but how does he get? Okay. Yeah, he's obviously disturbed. Um, So he was actually found guilty, though his punishment is unknown because he's a juvenile. So that information's not readily available. I don't even know his name. So the victim in that incident... Like I told you, Jeff, he does interviews about it. Um, I read something in a magazine. I watched some YouTube videos. He said there's no doubt in his mind who killed Matthew. But police interviewed the one who assaulted Jeff extensively and searched his house, and he had a solid alibi. He was working at Wendy's, which can be verified with a time card and a witness. So the time that Matthew was, like, last seen at, like, 530 that kid was already at work, and he was at work for several hours beyond that, and it's been verified. So they ruled him out as a suspect, even though he seems like the likely one. So remember Matthew's fishing rod? Yes. It was not found with the body, but he was seen with it. Like the last confirmed sighting of Matthew, he has the fishing rod. So a week after they found his body, police announced that they had located the fishing rod and that a friend had purchased it from Matthew. But at 5.30, Matthew has the fishing rod. At 7, his mom starts looking for him. So in an hour and a half, he sells his fishing rod 
and the child bought it never thought to tell anybody like oh hey i also saw him and he sold me this fishing rod so a week later they find the fishing rod but police said they did not think it was significant and they didn't name the friend they didn't think the friend was a witness or even a suspect but i think that's hella weird that's super sketchy but there's so much commotion about something obviously and it's a small town and everybody's involved in the search effort and he had the fishing rod at 5.30, at 7 when his mom can't find him. They find that he's dead. That fishing rod is missing. Somebody has the fishing rod, and he's not even considered a suspect or a witness. I feel like it would have at least led them to understand, like, what was he doing? Maybe yeah. he was going, he was going yeah. of course. He Last time I saw him, he sold, why would he sell his fishing he rod to his money, friend? something, he, yeah, something I don't was know. going on. He was a very skilled angler, they said. So I just can't imagine him selling his fishing rod. Right, it's precious. Um, especially because he went fishing with his grandpa a lot, and his grandpa just died. So I feel like it would be even more sentimental. Did this boy come forward? They didn't say. They just said that the fishing Ugh. rod had been located. They didn't think it was significant that this friend had it. Although I think that's really significant that this other kid has the fishing rod of the dead boy. Who was last seen with the fishing rod? Like if he was in possession of Matthew's shoes, yeah. that would have been weird. That'd have been. But the fishing rod, they don't have suspicious. an issue with it. Okay. So outside investigators think that police made their big mistake before anybody even knew that Matthew had been killed, because they treated him as a missing person for so long instead of a victim of a crime. And it wasn't until his body was discovered that they really made that transition, even though they started to think after the psychic that they were looking for a body, they Mm. weren't treating him like a homicide. They were always treating him as a missing person, and they lost five days of critical investigative time by labeling him as just missing. So the police chief at that time said, quote, everything was against us. We really didn't get any breaks in that case, and there were no witnesses. The biggest thing that hurt us was the five days. It was very hot, and the weather conditions caused us some problems as well. I think they said it rained, like, off and on in those five days, too, so that, like, damages the crime scene as well. That They weren't even really looking for a crime scene, though. They thought that Matthew was just missing. So yeah. beginning September 5th, that's when the department's 16 detectives worked tirelessly on this, questioning numerous suspects in the area, but they found nothing concrete to link anyone to the murder. And to this day, there are still two detectives assigned to the Matthew Margolis case full-time, and this was in 1984. Wow. But then they had all 16 people working on it. Yeah, so that's a long time to have two full-time detectives just trying to solve that. But I guess that's what you get in a small, affluent area with unlimited resources. So there are numerous theories about who may have murdered Matthew Margolis. One is that another teenager lured Matthew up the hillside and murdered him. Maybe like a revenge-type killing. More jealous. Something. Yeah, because Martha was murdered. Well known. Yeah, in yeah. a fit of jealous rage by another teenager. Um, but that was her killer killed her because she kissed his brother. Oh, Which, well, you know. That's I mean, rude, but that's, not. Yeah, but I don't know if they were a thing or if he just wished they were. But, but he murdered her over a kiss, so who knows why Matthew was killed. But another theory is that someone a little bit older, like a young adult maybe, killed him because of these like sexually sadistic undertones. And they don't think like a teenager in 1984 had time to develop this like, let me tie you up and slash your throat and gag you, choke you, leap, strip you naked kind of thing. Because like 1984 was like innocence, I guess, for kids. Like today you wouldn't let your kids roam around the city by themselves near a body of water, but his mom, Mary Ann, said that nobody even thought twice about it in Greenwich in the 80s, leaving your kids unsupervised to, like, walk around the city. 
when I, when I was a kid, not in the 80s. I was born then, but um, I remember playing outside by myself, but that would like never happen today. No. So they didn't think that somebody Matthew's age was capable, well, some theories didn't, of that sexually sadistic crime. There was a rumor of an older boy in a green car with Matthew sighted in the area, um, which actually kind of goes with the bully from earlier who was cleared because he had a vehicle similar to the description at his disposal, but he was at work. Um, and there was rumors of a sighting of two boys, one with a fishing pole, seen getting in and out of a red pickup truck driven by an adult ma- male at the time that Matthew went missing. But none of those stories led to anything worthwhile. So in 2000, not long after there was an arrest in the Martha Moxley murder, the Greenwich police chief Peter Robbins convinced Connecticut's cold case team to reopen Matthew's case. And they did this because, first, Greenwich police had collected and carefully preserved valuable evidence from the crime scene, including hair from an unknown individual, Mm -hmm. as well as the fingernail scrapings from Matthew, since they said he had defensive wounds. So that's good. At least they did that. They lost five days, but once they got started, they, like, really did it. Um, And second, investigators also collected biological samples from roughly 10 individuals who were considered to be persons of interest. So 16 years later in 2000, they still had all this stuff. It was in good condition. And now they could all be DNA tested. But by 2002, DNA testing had eliminated several suspects and narrowed the possibilities down to two or three. One suspect was a recent addition to the list, and actually it's local for us. Roger Bates was a retired Portchester police officer who lived in Texas in the Dallas area. And he had been arrested near Dallas for molesting a 14-year-old boy. He was convicted in 2004 and sentenced to 22 years in prison. But during his trial, the son of another Portchester cop, which is nearby to Greenwich, testified that he had been molested by Roger Bates in 1984, that same year that Matthew was killed. The cop's son claimed to be occasionally a fishing partner of Matthew's and went on to say that Bates once took both of those boys fishing together. Oh, snap. Furthermore, he reported that Bates was behaving strangely after Matthew's murder and even urged that boy to not cooperate with detectives during the investigation. Wait, wow, there's a lot of stuff going on here. So in 1984, he knew Matthew, this guy, this Bates guy. He had molested another boy of a similar age. He took that boy and Matthew fishing before. Yeah. Tells that boy, like, hey, don't talk to the police. He's behaving erratically. Yeah. Okay, so DNA didn't put, the DNA can nail this guy down? So the cops from Connecticut came to Texas to the prison swabbed him for DNA or however they collected and it was not a match from the scene samples that they collected so I don't know yeah it doesn't link him but he seems like perfect it's to me that's like a lot of perfect people on this yeah yeah there's a lot of victims I mean victims suspects who it's like oh well that would make sense if it was him so the bully who had the car at his disposal who had pulled a knife on another child abducted some other boy that same summer the same age as Matthew assaulted him DNA, I mean, alibi and DNA don't link him. Bates, DNA doesn't link him. So I'm telling you, man, like, I want to be a detective, but I'd just be suspecting yeah, everybody. everybody. Like, yeah. you did it, you did it, you did it, everybody's a jail. Well, they said that. <laughs> they said in town it really got that way. People didn't trust anybody, and they used to not lock their doors to their car or their house, but then 
Martha's murdered in 75. Nine years later, Matthew's murdered. At the time of Matthew's death, Martha's case is still unsolved. So they start, like, really. Yeah. And they said they got calls all the time. Like, maybe you should look at this person. Maybe you should look at this person because they were suspecting. I'm like, this person has three names. Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> like, awesome. this, this person, yeah, we call him all of his names. So maybe he's the killer. But they said losing that five days was really significant because that's when somebody probably would have been acting the weirdest. Yeah. But giving them this five-day head start, they could have, like, composed themselves and got back to normal. And felt like they were going to get away yeah, with it. Yeah, but in those first five days, they were probably like, someone, did someone see me? Am I going to get caught? What's going to happen? Um, but giving them that five-day head start, they were like, okay, they don't they even don't know. They don't know anything. They don't know anything. So um, by Whew. that kid saying that Bates was acting really weirdly, that was kind of like a break that they needed, and then yeah. it ended up being nothing. I'd be interested to know the timeline of like that kid when he got molested. Yeah, if it was before like, the murder, after exactly. the murder. Exactly. Like, yeah. did it continue? Did he escalate? Because when he got convicted of that other molestation, maybe that's escalation. Because yeah. I know you don't yeah. necessarily start that way. Oh, yeah. And yeah. this crime doesn't seem like it's a first crime either. It like, doesn't. I mean, there's a lot of passion, so it seems erratic. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. God. Okay, so Jasmine is going to look up lust murders really quickly while I say like the last thing. So we were talking about. That doesn't seem like a first crime because normally it escalates. So I feel like Jeff would have probably been that bully's like first one. Like he just abducted this kid. He's going to assault him, drove nails into his back, and then told him to take his clothes off. And he probably would have let Jeff go home because he let Jeff go home Yeah. then. And then Matthew would have been the one that escalated to murder. So it just doesn't seem like the very first time you select a victim that it goes all the way to killing them. Especially stabbing them repeatedly, cutting their throat, and shoving the things down there. Yeah, it just it felt like there was like a fully developed yeah. like MO. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, yeah. But it was too perfect. Like crimes aren't like neatly packaged and delivered to you, like, oh, this boy dies. And by the way, like two months ago, he did this exact same thing. So that just says that seems too perfect. I get what you're saying. But I also feel like alibis are like messed up all the I mean like they are. proven to he be. He could have clocked in and left. And they said that only one witness confirmed that he was at Wendy's. Yeah. So that person could have seen him before or after the killing, like because yeah. it was like four to ten. I think he was at Wendy's. Matthew died at like six ish. Right. Well, also I feel like was it a customer or was it also an employee? Yeah, that's true. Because an employee an could employee. have covered for you. Like exactly. that's your friend. That's true. But I think if he would have done it, he would have matched the DNA by now, and they would have oh, locked good that point, kid good up. Point. So uh, it's probably these officers are pretty good. Yeah, they're <laughs> yeah, they probably <laughs> give know. Him some credit. Yeah, okay. okay. So um. Okay. So. You looked up lust murders because that person said it sounded like it had the telltale signs of a lust murder. Yeah. Okay. So surface level definition, a lust murder is a homicide in which the offender searches for erotic satisfaction by killing someone. So they get gratification that's contingent on the death of a human being. That's so disgusting. And I know. It's like a psychology I can't really understand that. You yeah. get off on torturing people. But it does kind of sound like it's a lust murder now. Okay, yeah. I could, yeah, but I'll, mm. but like, who? Yeah, but, but how do you just, like, what's the difference, like, what's the difference between, like, just, like, Because he wasn't sexually just, like, assaulted. So he, that person okay. got off just by killing them. I see, I see, I see. So that can make sense why he didn't. But he could have molested Matthew because that's not something that there would be evidence of. There would only be evidence of like actual yeah, intercourse, rape. like sodomy or whatever, yeah. Yeah. So I don't – but maybe it is a less murder, which makes me think it's not another teenager. It's not like a 13-year-old boy. It has to be a young adult. Because adult. That, you have to have some time to develop that weird kink, I mean. Yeah. So that's what it is. That's the word for it's, it. Yeah. So it couldn't be yeah, – like, but an illegal kink. 
most people's are not illegal. But yeah, if you're going to murder somebody <laughs> to get off, then that's important illegal. to specify. Yeah. So I don't, I, I think the friend with the fishing pole is odd and I don't know why that wasn't developed further, but I don't necessarily think that a 13 year old boy committed that crime, but he should have said something because he obviously knows something. He was in possession of the fishing pole that Matthew had when he yeah. was last seen, but I don't think that that friend killed him. I think it's got to be somebody older. Yeah, it just would have been helpful for the timeline. I feel yeah, like. it would have been they helpful. They could add it to the official timeline yeah. instead of just brushing like, Oh, yeah, by the, the way, a week later we found a fishing pole. The yeah, end. No it's not deal, significant. Guys. No big deal. We have this material piece of evidence and it's, oh, we've recovered it, but it, it's no big deal. Yeah, then we're going to put it into evidence. Yeah, it's just, we found it. The end. I wonder if the kid got to keep the fishing pole. Is he bought it, so. It's, it's his. I don't know. Thank you for listening to Sideline Sleuths. If you have any comments or questions about this case or just feedback about the show in general, you can find us online at facebook.com slash sidelinesleuths.